Welcome to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I'm your host, Bill Cates, creator of the Cates Academy for Relationship Marketing. In each episode, I interview one of our industry's top performers, getting them to pass on their secrets to success to you, so that you can impact more lives and generate more income. Now, on to the show. Welcome, welcome. Before we get going, I want to let you know about some free resources that I invite you to retrieve after you've listened to today's interview. You'll find checklists, guides, videos, other tools. Just simply go to referralcoach.com forward slash resources. Now write this down, unless you're driving, referralcoach.com forward slash resources. Uh, It's also in the show notes. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our weekly tips. We're always sharing best practices. We'll notify you of newest podcast interviews as they become live. Uh, And while these are all free for you, I think you'll find them quite valuable. Today's show is going to focus on what I believe to be one of the most important parts of growing and sustaining a successful business, and that is client engagement. Engaged clients are the most loyal and engaged clients are the most willing to participate in the referral process. So what is client engagement exactly? Well, I have my own thoughts about this, but it makes sense that we turn to the expert in this area, and that would be Julie Littlechild, who hails from Toronto, Canada. Julie has worked and worked with and studied successful financial advisors and their clients for more than 20 years. Prior to founding her firm, Absolute Engagement, she launched and ran one of the financial industry's leading research firms focused on client engagement. She's the author of a popular blog, and her latest book is entitled The Pursuit of Absolute Engagement. Julie sat on the national board of the Financial Planning Association, currently sits on an Investment and Wealth uh, Institute advisory board has twice identified or been identified as one of the 25 most influential people in financial planning and has just created a new tool for financial advisors called the Absolute Engagement Engine. I'll make sure she tells us more about this new tool in just a little bit. So Julie Littlechild from Toronto, Canada, welcome to Top Advisor Podcast. Oh, hey, Bill. I always love talking to you, so I'm looking forward to this. Thank you. I've been a guest on your podcast uh, Several years ago, so yes, I'm one of glad the first, to. I think I think I was glad to have you back, or on mine, I should say. Uh, so everyone listening is certainly in, acquainted with the term client experience. Now, the term client engagement may be new to some folks listening. So, is there a difference between client experience and client engagement? And if so, what are the differences? Yeah, it's an it's an interesting point because the challenge with talking about engagement is everyone does have their own definition and who am I to say they're wrong? Mm-hmm. The problem is when you make up your own definition, you're always achieving the goal. So um, we, we tended to look at it a little differently and I can share what we've done. First of all, in the research that we do, we do have a very specific definition of engagement. It's a client who is a five out of five on satisfaction and has provided a referral. So they are both happy with the relationship and actively advocating on behalf of the advisor. Um, a little, maybe a little more practically speaking, though, the way that I think about experience, which in my mind is all about the service that is delivered, is, you know, everything from how often 
we meet to how we meet to the the services that are offered it's it's everything we do for clients that could all fall under the umbrella of experience and it's really based on client expectations meeting and exceeding expectations when i think about engagement however it's a bit more about how do we demonstrate leadership and create connection and those two things are really interrelated so you could say for example uh, as part of my experience, I'm going to meet with my clients uh, twice a year. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. and, and you can automate that and create all the process around it. Engagement is about what you talk about when you meet with those clients. Is that process engaging, inspiring, and really drawing them in? So I think that's how they work together, if you will. Yeah, it makes total sense. Uh, I've always been talking about engagement, just slightly different, but not mm -hmm. much. Um, the client feels engaged and maybe I should say connected with your value. So they mm -hmm. appreciate the value, all mm -hmm. those things that you do. And they also feel engaged, connected with you as a person. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's I think that both of those have to be present for them to engage or participate in the referral slash introduction process, right? They have to feel good about your value. They have to feel good about you. If one of those is missing, not only will they not likely be a client for very long, but uh, they're certainly not going to introduce you to others. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think w you made a really interesting distinction there because I would tend to describe those as drivers of engagement. It's both a a verb and a noun. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. the interesting part of it, right? So I did, those actually do show up as drivers of engagement. The reason we wanted to create an outcome is that we wanted there to be another metric other than just satisfaction or net promoter score to capture the depth of the relationship in a way that those two things don't. And so that's why we, we've introduced it more as a metric that we can track over time. I like that. And, you know, you brought up net promoter score, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which for those listening aren't familiar with it, it's essentially your clients or customers willingness to refer, willingness to recommend you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Frank Reichel in his book, uh, The Ultimate Question, calls that the ultimate question. Is your client willing to recommend you? Uh, I would suggest, and I think based on what you're saying, you may agree, not are they willing, but the ultimate is have they <laughs> and or do you have a process in place where they can or it's encouraged to do? Because for you, an engaged client is someone who has participated in the referral process. They're more than just willing. Does that make sense? Could you comment yeah, on absolutely. that? Yeah, absolutely. That is how we because it, willingness is actually um, almost directly correlated with satisfaction. It, the, the, the numbers look exactly the same. And you would find 80 to 90% of clients saying, I'm willing to refer. That's not our challenge. Our challenge is, like you said, do they? And so I think we need to understand what is it? What's so compelling that it causes someone to take action? And that's a different question. Mm -hmm. So, and that's, you know, I certainly have dedicated my business. Uh, you've for the you've last thought years. a little bit about this. I <laughs> yeah, think, I, I, right? I have. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and uh, the precursor is being referable. Mm -hmm. uh, and in your parlance, it would be engaged. Uh, so let's, let's, you, you mentioned the idea of the drivers of engagement. So mm -hmm. talk to us about, you know, what does it take to drive engagement? What, what are the activities that one can do? to create that? And where do you see the gaps with advisors today? Where, where there are some holes that they need to fill? 
Yeah, when you look at the actual drivers in the data, it's, you mentioned one, it's about the personal relationship. It's about, in many respects, the human side of advice. Do Does my advisor truly understand me and my family and our needs and our goals? Do they regularly uh, dig into that? Are our reviews engaging? All of those things are, are real drivers. And, you know, Practically speaking, I think the way that it shows up is in how how advisors think about those experience components. It's almost like an overlay for me. So, you know, if we said uh, a great experience would be to share content with clients, right? So I'm going to share quarterly. I'm going to share some content. An engaging content strategy would be to understand what what clients truly care about and send more personalized communications based on those those needs and and concerns. And so there are there are very practical tactical ways to think about engagement. I, I think too often we talk about it when it's too up in the air and we don't get down to brass tacks, but at the end of the day, it's about getting deep on what they're feeling and thinking and then creating an experience that is directly responsive to that, to, to those feelings and needs. Let me uh, share a couple of things, and, and I'd like to get your feedback mm-hmm. on this. So um, where to start? Uh, I know that some advisors, a lot of advisors, will pay attention to what clients are interested in, mm-hmm. children, sports, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and they'll find ways to comment and send an email here and there. And maybe if they send a little thank you gift or something, it's related to the personal interest. I think that's great. Um, that's usually uh, not always uh, easy to create a process around that where it's continual. Yeah. So I've seen some advisors where they'll do a survey of clients. Who's in the wine? Who's in the sports? Mm-hmm. Who's in the this? Who's in the that? And they'll segment their list. And once a month, maybe they'll send something out related to that interest. So at least it's hitting on something that's a little more personal. It's yep. kind of automated, but it's, you know, it's with them in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, thoughts about both of those, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great example of trying to operationalize something, which mm-hmm. is key. Um, it's it's all very good to listen for these things, but if we're not tracking them and we're not doing something about it, um, it's, you know, there's not much we can do. So I think that, I think that's a really good example of that. And, and I also think we can then start to use that same methodology to go even deeper and to get into how people are feeling and what they're worried about. And, you know, so I like wine, just in case you were thinking of sending me a gift <laughs> or anything, Bill, just want to get okay. that out there. But All right. No, no <laughs> but what I really focus on is my son and how he's growing up and whether he's making good decisions and how I can support him. So if you want to engage with me, that's going to drive deeper engagement uh, for sure. I love that example. And then I think we can just extend it into these other areas. And, uh, you know, there's something related to this. I also want to get your uh, take on, I don't know if you have research around this, but Mm -hmm. um so this is a long time ago. I was talking with an advisor. This is when we used to send out uh, paper newsletters. Uh, right. Some I've heard some advisors going back to that because they're more <laughs> likely to get read. Funny. Um, this guy's name was Doug, and he had about a 
I don't know, one small part of his newsletter that was devoted to him, his family, his dog, his kids, mm-hmm. his vacations, all that. And he decided to take that out mm-hmm. because he wanted to put something else in that he thought would be more quote unquote valuable. And the first newsletter that went out without that segment, he started getting calls from his clients and said, Doug, you know, where's that part about your family? It's the only part we read. Right. So there's a, there's a, a caring back to the advisor. And I guess we need to give them a chance to do that too. Is, is that part of the engagement? Well, I, I think it, it's part of creating engagement for mm-hmm. sure. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you see an example like that. I also think you see that manifesting in some of the data around the kinds of communications that people are interested in. So, for example, we've, you know, slowly but surely seen a shift toward uh, a demand for video. Now, part of the reason there's a demand for video is because it's more personal, right? Because it creates connection. So I think in the same way as that newsletter did, we're looking for ways to make our sites and our communications and our content much more personal. Yeah, absolutely. And some people are intimidated by the doing the video. Some have a face for radio, whatever, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like myself. Um, now we may have already touched on this, but let me, I've got this as a question asked. So let's see if there's any, anywhere to go further with it. And so I know that you've said that, uh, advisors need to go deeper. They need to dig mm-hmm. below the surface, kind of like the wine versus the your son, right? Right. Uh, to ensure the experience reflects really what truly is most important to the clients. Right. Uh, you know, why is that important? And and it, it seems that advisors are missing that. Um, where are they? How could they do better? What do you what, give us some ideas there? Yeah, and it's you know what's interesting about that is for some advisors that's their superpower. Right. So, you know, mm-hmm. they and I would say for a lot of advisors, they're successful because they can connect. Mm. And often what those advisors are missing is a process, just sort of back to the previous example, a way to make that whole process more efficient and effective. Mm. For other advisors, there's still a reticence to go there, if you will, right? To to kind of scratch below the surface. Uh, to to realize that they don't have the answers to everything, but to un- to recognize that how people are feeling is the context for how they think about their money and their life, and that we need to to go a little deeper. So, I think that we uh, a lot of advisors get caught up in this idea that I I'm uncomfortable doing that, or we ask the questions. You know, so Bill, how are you doing today? And you'll say, I'm fine. I'll go awesome and I'll tick that box and I'll move on (laughs) because we're done, right? When the reality is clients aren't very good at expressing what they need either. And so I think part of the skill set around engagement and whether it's tools or conversations is being able to just go a little deeper to not accept I'm fine as the answer and to, to really to push and and you know that creates relationships that are incredibly sticky it's what drives referrals in the end it's you know all of those things that we're trying to accomplish i might also add that beyond the fact of it creates a deeper relationship uh and some people may be rolling their eyes well i don't care about deeper relationships mm-hmm. right well, first of all, we know that money intersects all aspects of one's life. Absolutely. And 
the more you learn about your client, the more you learn about how they're feeling about certain things, what's going on, what's important to them, and being genuinely curious, the more context you gain. So not only are you creating a little better connection on the relationship, you're actually learning about other possible areas where you can serve them mm-hmm. that maybe you didn't even realize that they that you that you needed to. It's uh, it's a really good point. We've, you know, part of the tools that we've launched lately are are around digging in and uncovering what's on the minds of clients. But in almost every case, they uncover planning opportunities. So it's not just about, you know, tell me how you're feeling. Although I would argue and go out on a limb and say anyone who says that's not important is is not going to, <laughs> to do well in the industry long term. Right. But um but it inevitably comes back to a reinforcement of the plan maybe something else they need, a different conversation that a couple needs to have to get on the same page. It's practical stuff. Uh, It's just grounded in emotion. Yeah, it's true. I've heard you say that this concept of client engagement isn't just about the client Mm -hmm. or across the client journey. Uh, Do you mean prospects as well? Does it expand beyond just that initial client relationship. Tell me what you mean by that. I'm, I'm not quite sure, actually. Yeah, we've, we've spent so much time focused on client engagement, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and all the work we did was around that survey your clients, understand what, what they need. The reality is that does apply equally to prospects. And, uh, and so I think this idea of how do we go deeper And how do we focus on what matters when the first time you meet with someone as a prospect through onboarding right through to them being an existing client. So we've of late been applying a lot of these same concepts to that introductory meeting with a prospective client, seeing really interesting results, completely different conversations, driving growth because the next guy was just talking about themselves or the markets. And some of them said, I'm going to go deeper and really hone in on what you need. Yeah. I know when I talk about client engagement and I always give you credit uh, of really sticking that in my head, even though I realize I'm talking about it slightly different than what you are, or maybe a subset. Uh, I talk about the client journey uh, as really the prospect experience mm-hmm the the new client onboarding experience let's say the first two months three months of that new relationship and usually the longest is the 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 rest of the relationship and that we need to think in terms of engagement and the drivers of engagement and the things we can do to make that happen in all of those places right we're continually thinking that right absolutely it's 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 funny how we think about the client's experiences starting when they meet us as an advisor well they they had their own journey before the advisor ever joined it. And so it's really about acknowledging all of those needs that they're bringing in. Interesting. You know, that, that's, that gives me a fourth area. It's like the, the pre-prospect journey. <laughs> in other words, yeah. what was their experience even before we met them? Yeah. Uh, which doesn't, you know, it makes sense to kind of know a little bit about that, what their previous experience has been around this, working with other advisors or you know, what messages they were given around money to kids. I mean, all of that stuff informs who that person is right there it, in front it of does. us. It does. And yeah. and how we need to connect with them. Because I think, mm-hmm. 
I think it's easy when we meet a prospective client to assume that they're kind of solution aware, as we might say. So as if they've come saying, I know I'm looking for an advisor and therefore I'm, I'm looking at you relative to others. Prior to that point, they might not even know that the advisor is the solution. They're just problem aware at that point. They know they've got something they're trying to fix. And, and so, you know, I've, I've often talked to advisors lately about this idea that if someone's visiting your site and you're treating them as if they are just looking at you as the solution, you're missing everyone who's just trying to solve a problem at that point. And don't, you know, the answer could be Google. Maybe that's all I need. <laughs> but um, so the more we can really lean into that idea of what problem they were trying to solve in the first place, I think the better our communication. And I would suggest that sometimes they don't even know what the problem is. They Very just true. know they don't feel comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was, we I'm, Go ahead. I was going to say, we see that with our confidence index, which is a new metric we've been tracking over the last mm -hmm. few years. And it's a series of four statements about financial security and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And overall, someone can be relatively confident about the future, but then they'll have a just a slightly lower grade on something like, do I feel in control? Mm -hmm. And, and you, you see there's a crack there, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something that you want to explore. They, If you'd asked them, are you confident? They wouldn't have said, well, generally, but I don't feel in control. They they can't answer that, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. but we can, we can reveal it if we ask the right questions. Well, on a uh, more esoteric level, I think control is an illusion anyway, Fair but um, <laughs> I, I am curious topic. about your, your opinion and, and, and maybe what your research indicates, if at all around this. And that is when clients come to us, they have fears, concerns, uncertainties about the future. Am I going to run out of money? Where's going to come from? Yeah. That, you know, all kinds of weird emotional stuff around money. We all have that mm -hmm. in some form or another. And I, I kind of contend that while we bring it, we put a plan in place, we put some products in place, we create the quote unquote solutions to the problems, that emotional part never fully goes away, right? They feel better for a moment, mm. but then you meet with them a year later and sometimes that anxiety is back again. Um, have, have you studied or seen any evidence around my theory? Well, I mean, to some extent, I think so. What we've been really leaning in on over the last couple of years is the, just the idea generally of mindset and how our investors feeling. And, and you're right. We started this in earnest with COVID and have continued to do that. But you see these anxieties, you see these concerns, you see high levels of stress. And we'd argue all of that affects their, their financial lives as well. And, and so you could argue, and I think rightly, it's hard to make all of that disappear. I mean, that would be an odd human being if they, if they came, you know, presented right. without any of those things. Right. But I also believe that if we can tease out what those things are, and we can connect the plan more intentionally to those anxieties, then we have a much better um, likelihood that will decrease those over time. But I don't know if that connection is always clear for people. And sometimes we need to help them see it. I think that makes total sense. And and then also maybe a little check-in is like, uh, you know, when we first got together, you were feeling very anxious about this mm -hmm. is, you know, how, how are we doing now? Mm -hmm. Does it rear its ugly head from time to time or 
you know uh it's it, it's just all the stuff as humans the stuff that got, comes into our head we don't even know where it came from somebody just got to turn the volume down on it but gosh i, I wish i could find that button yeah tell personally. me personally um <laughs> but you know what was was quite interesting i found about that data set is how different it was for clients between 45 and 54. I mean, when you looked at that segment, it was like they were different human beings. Satisfaction was lower, net promoter was lower, concerns were higher, stress was higher. And you can start to see how those two things are connected, right? How I'm feeling about my life is connected to my satisfaction with my advisor in some mm. ways. I mean, not mm -hmm. in every way, but in some ways. So What's, I think it's important to remember that sometimes segmenting the clients on things like age in particular can really help us hone in on what matters the most. Right. I think we have to be careful about segmenting and, and or what I shouldn't say careful about segmenting, careful about uh, making broad assumptions that yes. someone in a segment feels something. Uh, we just know the trend might be in that direction, but we ultimately need to check in and see if it's true for them. Um, 100%. And you know what? That's, I mean, in many respects, I think that kind of supports or validates some of what we see in the future. You know, in, in the past, it was all about generic content and communications. And I just assume because you're an investor, this is what you care about. And then we kind of moved to segmented where we got a little closer, a little greater likelihood that it would be relevant based on life stage. But of course, where we're headed is personalization. And so the whole idea, it's only when we get to personalization that we can eliminate assumption almost entirely. Right. Exactly. I mean, you could, you could have 79% of your clients say X is important, Okay, well, that means 21% think something different. So, well, and they're not going to be satisfied that, that right. they're in the minority. Nobody exactly. has ever said, yeah, don't worry about me if, if they want something different. Right. Of course not. So, in a minute, Julia, I want to ask you to tell us a little bit about your new absolute engagement engine, which I think is, is, is interesting. I'm, I don't know a lot about it, I, I'm anxious to hear more about it. Um, and a look into the future of engagement, client engagement, uh, how advisors can remain competitive by focusing on this. But first, let's briefly pause to listen to a word from our sponsor, Pod Rocket Academy, who makes this podcast possible and, I should add, is in the business of helping advisors launch and run their own podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Proudmouth, the Influence Accelerators. Tired of chasing potential clients? We help you spend less time selling and more time advising by amplifying your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans who will chase you down instead. Visit ProudMouth.com to learn more. Before I continue my interview with client engagement expert, Julie Littlechild, I want to let you know about a new tool that just you just might want to check it out. We, we call it Rapid Fire Referrals. If you're new to my work, this is a great affordable entry point to the system and processes that thousands of financial professionals are using to create exponential growth by multiplying their best clients. And if you've been following me for a while, then rapid fire referrals is a great way for you to keep our processes, to keep our system and your exponential growth top of mind in your awareness all the time. One of our advisors uh, actually nicknamed uh, rapid fire referrals, the habit maker. So in a nutshell, once per week for 52 weeks, you'll receive a short high content video lesson geared to provide actions you can implement immediately 
to start multiplying your best clients and turning incremental growth into exponential growth. In addition to the weekly lessons, you'll also get access to a special bonus interview of me that provides you with a great overview of the complete system. So you'll have great context right from the very beginning. While you may get sick of me after 52 <laughs> video lessons, I can guarantee you won't be sick of the results producing value that these videos provide. Uh, and as a listener of Top Advisor Podcast, you'll also receive $100 off the regular investment of $297. So that's $197 for those uh, these 52 lessons and the bonus interview. Just use the coupon code RFR100. So you go to rapidfirereferrals.com and use RFR100. Julie, before we take a look toward the future of our business generally and client engagement specifically, please tell us about this new tool you've created, the Absolute Engagement Engine. Why did you create it? How does it work? And most importantly, how do both advisors and their clients benefit from using the tool? So this tool, the Engagement Engine, has really been a labor of love over the last year or so. And in, in many respects, the culmination of, of all of the work that we've done. The goal of this tool is to help advisors to reveal what's on the minds of their prospects and clients at exactly the right time and be able to respond in real time. So if you think of a traditional survey, if you think about the work that we've normally done, that was a point in time, one to many survey. The idea with the engine is that you can capture smaller nuggets of con contextually relevant information at every stage of the journey. So hmm. you can understand what's on the mind of that prospect as an individual or as a couple separately as they come in for an introductory meeting, how they perceive the onboarding process or what's really important to them as they're coming in for a review meeting. And we take, we've built out these workflows that allow you to not only configure the right questions, but to then automate that process and operationalize it. So it just becomes part of how you do business. So it's been a, uh, it's been a, an amazing process, I think an important tool for advisors to drive engagement, but to do it more efficiently and more effectively. It was never going to go anywhere if it didn't do that. And, and I think that's what we've accomplished. And look, the benefits, as high level as they sound, is everything is driven toward driving deeper engagement and driving growth. And, and that's where we're at. So until you mentioned a set of questions, I'm thinking, all right, so is this an implant in in the brains of the the couple or the individual? <laughs> so you can constantly, you know, or, you know, uh, uh, an eye watch uh, and it monitors. Uh, We're not that so, creepy. No. So, so just give me a little more meat yeah. on the bones of, of, of how this functions. Yeah. So imagine you have a client coming in for a review meeting. Mm -hmm. and uh, you're setting that up maybe through Calendly or whatever process they use. You typically have a lead who's setting that up. Uh, so the lead client would book the meeting, and they'd be automatically directed to a page that says, hey, we want to make sure we're focused on the things that matter most. And they would be invited to respond to a set of questions, two to three minutes, nothing to do with satisfaction, nothing to do with any of those metrics, all about what they're feeling. Mm. If they're married or have a, a partner, they're automatically invited to respond to those questions as well. 
all of that comes together to generate a personalized agenda that's shared with the client it says look here's what we're going to talk about and it triggers uh, an, a custom internal agenda for the advisor so that's one example one use case um, there there are many more but you can sort of see how that it's, it's all about co-creating the agenda with the client wow i love that because I mean, what happens now uh, for most advisors that I've worked with over the years, although I encourage them to do it a little differently, they'll create an agenda and, and it may be a template that they typically mm -hmm. use in a review planning meeting. Um, and they'll say, you know, I have an agenda today. Is there anything you want to add to the agenda? Exactly. Yep. It's, it's topic oriented. It now it could be based on a feeling, mm -hmm. but it's, probably pretty surface level and the advisor isn't necessarily prepared to talk about that. They could have come with some recommendations, some illustrations, yeah. but they, they can't now because they didn't know it was coming. Yeah. So what I've been teaching is, you know, talk to the client when you're setting up the appointment, I'm creating an agenda. What would you like to see us mm -hmm. talk about? Mm -hmm. You're taking that a next a step further and and probably ferreting out some things that maybe exactly. the client even didn't know they wanted to talk That's, about. You've hit the nail on the head. We we should always ask clients what they want to talk about. And that shows up at the top of the agenda, just like it would in every other case. But that's what we're trying to do is give them a framework to consider their responses. And it's been really amazing how just doing that in advance and being a bit more clever in how you tease out those questions and report back uh, leads to very different conversations. I, I think that's brilliant. Um... I think it's the trend, certainly in the industry, mm -hmm. uh, to more holistic planning, more transparency. Yeah. Uh, how does someone find out uh, more about the, the engagement engine? I'm sure you have a website. What should they do? Yeah, absoluteengagement.com. You can learn about that. If you have a specific objective, like you're focused on growth, then you can learn more about those specific features because it, it does a lot, and including the ongoing surveys. Um, but uh, that's the best place to learn about it. For Absolute sure. engagement.com. That's your mm -hmm. website. Yep. So let's look into the future a little bit. Sure. Uh, how do you see client engagement changing? Can you give us some examples of what you, uh, you mean when you say the future of engagement is co-created, you just use that term, mm -hmm. uh, sounds a little woo woo, <laughs> uh, but I know it's not, I know it's actually very practical and important yeah. so yeah so co-creation is very much part of how we see the the future and look this is a concept it goes back to sort of 70s academia when you first started seeing it and largely there are there, i mean there are two ways to look at it one is just that the experience is informed by input from clients that's kind of easy for us to get our head around the other is that the actual experience is different because of the input so I t the simplest example for me is if I called Apple, as I did a few months ago, looking for support, the, the service um, recording would come on and we're just going to put you in a queue. And then it would say, what kind of music do you want to listen to as you're waiting? And it gives me a list. And I'd say, well, you know, whatever, top 40. So now my experience is going in a different direction and is changing based on my input. So you can see how that's that's different from me just saying, I think you should play music. 
um, I'm, I'm changing the experience. And, and the agenda is the same thing. If my input is changing what we talk about, we've co-created the agenda. And so I think that really the trend there is that the client is playing a more central role in determining what that experience will look like. Um, it's not the advisor dictating that. Um, so I think that's a big part of the future. I think uh, personalization, we kind of touched on lightly, uh, personalizing the conversation, personalizing content uh, is, is going to be a huge part of the future of, of client experience. And, you know, I guess the last, the last one, which, you know, everybody mentions right now, but I'll do it anyway, is really around the data that we're capturing. I think that, that the more data we capture on clients, and I would say feelings are a data point. Mm-hmm. Um, the more we can personalize the experience and the deeper the insights we can capture. So I think this idea of integrating different data flows, you know, is it machine learning? Is it AI? Maybe depending on the application. But I, I do think that's going to inform the experience in a very big way. So putting myself in the shoes of an advisor, I'm thinking, well, oh, this sounds complicated. Mm-hmm. Isn't it just can I just have my model and follow it? <laughs> sure. So is it more complicated or is it really about having, if you have the right process in place, it isn't necessarily. Yeah, I think a lot of this, and this is what's what's so interesting about the time we're in is that technology is marrying with what we're trying to do and make it more efficient, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So any advisor could say, look, it's always worked. I'm just going to keep doing it the way I'm doing. But we know things are changing rapidly and we've got to keep up. But I do believe that we've got to become much more tech forward. We've got to understand how tech can enhance the process, how we can get better at driving engagement and driving experience, not to create more work, but just to do it more effectively. Um, so it can be daunting. Of course it can be daunting, but you, you know, I, I'm a pretty simple person. So to me, this is about, you know, the work that we're doing is much more about how can I really understand what's in your heart and your mind and how can I use that to tailor the experience I deliver? Right. I guess ultimately the client feels truly understood and that's mm-hmm. what we all Seen want as humans, yep. right? Absolutely. Our featured guest today has been Julie Littlechild. Her firm is Absolute Engagement. Her book is The Pursuit of Absolute Engagement. And her new tool is the Absolute Engagement Engine. I think it's pretty obvious what she cares about. (laughs) Absolute (laughs) Engagement. Uh, Julie, uh, thank you for being a guest on Top Advisor Podcast. Thank you so much. You bet. To you, the listener of this podcast, may I ask a small favor? If you like this episode or you like the podcast in general, please leave a five-star review on the platform you're listening to the show. Not all platforms have a place for reviews, but if yours does, I'd be grateful. Thank you. If you haven't already, head over to referralcoach.com forward slash resources to sign up for our weekly tips and access a ton of free guides. And don't forget to check out rapidfirereferrals.com, rapidfirereferrals.com, and use the coupon code RFR100 to save $100. This is Bill Cates reminding you that ideas do not make you more successful. Only acting on those ideas will bring you the success you desire. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Top Advisor Podcast. Brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. 
I encourage you to visit my website, referralcoach.com, for links to my books, online courses, and to register for the Cates Academy.